to Make More Money Without Selling Your Soul with me, Polly Lavarello, Evergreen Marketing Expert. This podcast is for you if you are an online entrepreneur who's looking to simplify their business to scale. On this podcast, you can expect to hear regular talk about wealth, about selling, and about well-being. Because I believe these three core fundamental things are pivotal to your growth moving forward. Welcome to Make More Money Without Selling Your Soul. I am Polly Lavarello, cushy business pioneer and evergreen marketing expert. And today we are leaning into the well-being thread of this podcast. Yes, we're talking about your embodied CEO toolkit. Now, to be entirely transparent, one of the reasons why I'm motivated to speak to this theme is because very shortly we are offering a beautiful, truly accessible um, little kind of mini course on embodied, it's called Embodied You, and it's to support you with your own embodied CEO toolkit because it's been, it's played such a fundamental role, not just in my own growth, but to the growth of my clients too. Now, as you probably are aware, most people associate me with strategy and my clients, once they've come to work with me, will all reflect the fact that I combine strategy with mindset with subconscious, with embodiment, with all the tools, because ultimately, while they're not something that are heavy focus in our calls, ultimately, I see the whole person. And to create a truly sustainable business, which is what we're all here to do, we're not here to be flash in the pan overnight success. We're here to create something that can truly grow with us and grow beyond us. To do that, it needs to be in alignment with you, in alignment with your values in alignment with your cycle, in alignment with your moods, in alignment with the life you desire to live, whether that's the life of a digital nomad or the life of a busy mum or the life of somebody who actually really enjoys spending loads of hours on their business. Whoever you are, wherever you're at, whether you're deciding that you want to be the next, you know, kind of best TEDx talk that anyone's ever heard or the next best-selling author, regardless as to where you're at, There'll be lots of people out there sharing various strategies that have worked for them. And the truth is, you know, ultimately to choose a strategy that works best for us, it needs to start with you. One of the most valuable lessons I have ever been taught in business was by Susie Ashworth when she used to regularly share a kind of um, prompt on a Monday saying, who are you choosing to be? And I can't remember if it was this week or today. But it really, really stayed with me. Who am I choosing to be? Because ultimately, it's not about what you're choosing to do. And that's the biggest mistake so many people make. In fact, it's what most people do for the first year or two in online business is they will flounder around trying to emulate other people who are being successful, naming their programs similar ways, structuring them similar ways, launching similar ways. And it's really only later on when online business owners kind of reach a kind of almost stage of what I'd almost like to call maturity, where they start to recognize this is all made up. This is all made up. You get to do business in a way that feels good for you. And as long as you're consistent with it and persistent when you can't be consistent, then good things arrive. And a lot of the time in the times where it isn't arriving immediately, it's that patience we require in the middle parts. 
But ultimately, like I say, the persistency where you can't be consistent um, and, you know, finding a strategy that's truly aligned with you, that gives you the space to be your fullest self, where you can really show up in a way that feels good. You know, one of the mistakes that people make that really hold them back is following strategies that are enormously out of alignment with themselves and their values. And in many cases, perhaps the experience they deliver once they're working with their clients. You know, the key to a really successful and scalable business is congruency. If you don't like being visible, if your clients don't like being visible, and yet you choose a strategy where your where your kind of strategist is encouraging you to be incredibly visible, then it's not surprising when that strategy doesn't end up working for you. And it's not to say it can work for so many other people, but it won't work for you because it's not in alignment with yourself. Now, one of the reasons why people find themselves in this predicament is because they are not self-aware enough in the first place to understand what suits them and what doesn't. You know, it's really important to be able to understand, you know, and, and similarly, of course, it's understanding that ultimately when you're growing an online business, chances are you'll be doing a lot of new things for the first time, which is why there always is a kind of messy middle, a messy middle where you try on various things for size to see how they fit and then chuck away the ones that don't. And actually, I think this is super healthy. I think it's very hard to know what suits you and what doesn't until you've given it a good go. Um, and this is why I kind of say there's almost like a, a stage of maturity where you've done the messy middle, you've tried on things for size, and then you reach a stage where you're like, this is where I excel. I'm an excellent writer, so I'm going to be really focusing on emailing my mailing list. Or I'm really natural on camera. I'm a really natural storyteller. Whatever it is, when we start to lean into our strengths and really capitalize upon them, that's where the magic happens. And this is why this search for the elusive strategy that's going to save you can be dangerous because ultimately it's got to start with you. It's got to start with you and it's got to start with self-leadership. And we can only be self-led and that embodied CEO when we're truly connected with ourselves, when we take our body and mind for the ride on this crazy entrepreneurial journey. Because where we neglect our body, where we neglect our well-being, that's the fast track to burnout. That's the fast track to looking at a business going, oh, well, it's making money now, but actually I hate it. <laughs> I want to chuck it all in. I want to start all over again. You don't need to be doing that. So today I'm talking to you about the four key areas that I have found pivotal in my journey to becoming, well, I was going to say an embodied CEO or a cushy CEO, but I think it's also important to say that I don't ever see this. I don't see like an end destination for any of this. For me, it's a process that I get to lean into more deeply all the time, but there's always an opportunity for another level of depth, another level of awareness. So it's very much a journey that I encourage you to embark on. And actually, it gets to be surprisingly simple. As you know, I'm not an embodiment expert. I'm not an expert in the subconscious. I'm not an expert in mindset. So this is very much, but I've leaned into various experts in all of those spaces and in nutrition and in exercise and in various things. I'm an absolute well-being, holistic health kind of, it's going to use a rude word there, and but I love it. I'm all over that stuff. Um, so like I say, I'm not coming here, I'm not positioning myself here as an expert, just talking to you from my area of experience in the hope that it will help you too. 
because ultimately what I've come to recognize is we can massively overcomplicate these things. And there are a few simple principles that will keep you in good stead. So firstly, this was one of the things that really was most important to me. There are no rules. You know, what was really interesting, really early on in business, I, I really felt kind of yeah, in the spotlight, because there was an element of like, but you're the strategical person, Polly, so you won't understand X, Y, Z. And so I tried really desperately, really early on to, to understand it. I looked at all my well-being grounded clients who, you know, just, just seemed to kind of ooze this natural authority, self-acceptance, self-love. And I was like, break me off a piece of that. I want some of that too. That looks fun. Uh, <laughs> so I would look at what they did. And they all did different things. Some would say, oh, it's about cold water immersion and then journaling and then long hour-long walks. Um, some would start their day with yoga. Some would be getting up at 5 a.m. to meditate. I mean, some went on massive long healing journeys. So many different things. I mean, I'm not going to go into all of them, but there were so many different invitations along different routes. And of course, um, because I've worked very closely with some very established well-being coaches, you know, um, who've got incredible product suites, incredible offers. Um, and the majority of them would kind of say, I want you to understand my offering well to be able to kind of support me well. So there were various invitations for me to kind of explore various different modalities um, and like, you know, experiences. So I did, I, I've, I've delved into a lot and I've dabbled in a lot. And, but I remember on nearly every single occasion until the work really started to seep in to almost feel this pressure because every single person would say, this, this, my friend, is the way. You know, if you're not journaling, then you're missing out on X, Y, Z. If you're not meditating, then, you know, it's not going to work for you. Or you need to meditate for 90 days till you'll really start to see the benefits. And I guess, in this, I mean, this is very similar to online business in that a lot of the time, if we're not seeing anything immediately working for us, we'll latch on to the next thing. And the next thing, and the next thing, and next thing you know, you're feeling really overwhelmed going, well, I learned how to storytell and I'm doing PR and I'm also posting reels and I've just started on TikTok. Like how many more things do I have to do to get it to work? So actually it's a really beautiful analogy here, I guess, that kind of, it's all part of the same thing, right? In the same way that in online business, it's better to kind of find your lane and, and actively pursue it almost with blinkers um, and not get distracted by outside noise. It's, it's very similar with your well-being that it can end up feeling like an additional pressure. It can end up feeling like an additional stress to be like, oh, I didn't do my morning notes this morning or yesterday or the day before. And now I'm having a bad day. Is it because, <laughs> is it because I stopped doing my morning notes? Um, it, yeah. And, and I, ultimately, I just feel like as a busy mom of two small kids, as you know, the main earner, as somebody who has, is having to very actively advocate for my son's children's needs, um, I, I just don't need, like the well-being part of my life should be joyous. It should be expansive. And you know what, actually it can be uncomfortable too. It can be all the things, but ultimately it, it's not helpful to add it on as an additional pressure. So what I've kind of written here as a way to kind of encapsulate what I'm expressing here is there are no rules. You know what well-being can look like for me sometimes? I remember reaching out to my previous coach who supported me in the embodiment um, space, Tamsin Crimson's, Crimin, sorry, Tamsin Crimson's, not Crimson's, um, and saying to her, my inner child right now wants chocolate. My cycle's coming soon. I'm feeling anxious. I'm feeling tired. I'm feeling heavy. And all I want is some chocolate. 
And I remember her just saying to me, go and get some chocolate there. And I, it was really like, it was one of the most precious experiences working with Tamsin because it really, um, it was those kind of moments, you know, similarly where I'd say I'm feeling really wobbly and she's like, okay, that's very human. I can see where that's going. All those moments where I, I recognize that I get to make my own rules up. I get to lean into what feels good. And it might not always look like what you'd see on a perfectly created Instagram a grid of green smoothies and toned tiny bodies and tight lycra and uh, you know being in the woods at 12 p.m every day sometimes it was simple as just having a cuddle with my cat on the bed and eating a bit of chocolate and perhaps watching real housewives of beverly hills at 3 p.m on a friday but as i started to recognize that my own well-being gets to look like what i desire it to be and that sometimes it will be smoothies and it will be cacao ceremonies and it will be sound healing and it will be breath work and a lot of the times it's other things, you know, it was, it was satisfying all my different parts and making them all equally welcome. And the moment I started to recognize there is no rule book, you get to decide. This is your life, your body, your experience. Give yourself what you need in the moment. When I stopped adding any shame or questions or rules, everything became easier. So that's my first recommendation is yes, it is fun to explore all these different ways that we can take care of ourselves. And like I say, I'm a bit of a well-being junkie. I love all of it. And if you ever find yourself seeing it as an additional pressure, just let go of that pressure. Just honor whatever part of you, whatever it wants, you know, and, and allow there to be cycles and seasons. That's perfectly okay. One of the most tiring things is that judgmental voice that can come into our heads and that is not helpful, which leads really beautifully onto point number two, which is compassion and curiosity. It was through me proactively fostering a kind of um, what you know compassionate and curious way of perceiving my own thoughts and, and behaviors that enabled me to to be somebody with no rules. And to understand sometimes it's fun to be kind of, um, I was going to use the word militant, but that's not really the word, but to be, you know, persistent and consistent and uh, to be, you know, showing up regularly for the things I desire. And also sometimes fun just to, you know, press that snooze button, have a lion. Um, you know, ultimately, you know your life best and just honoring it. You know, when you can be compassionate to yourself and not judge yourself, when you can be curious to allow for perhaps the kind of the learnings that need to seep through to help us understand how we can support ourselves better. The more I allow things like, well, let's go get some chocolate then. Let's go cuddle the cat. Actually, those were the baby steps towards doing even more nourishing, kinder things to myself. But if I hadn't taken those first baby steps towards allowing myself what I need in that moment, then those other deeper, bigger more prominent shifts wouldn't have come come about. So if you hear yourself speaking to yourself badly about whatever it is, whether it's a sales call that went wrong, whether it's how you're writing your next post and, and you're questioning whether you're doing a good job or not, whether it's about who you've hired and whether how, how you, you know, whatever it is, just learning to be compassionate with yourself. And, and like I say, curious, because in those moments, you know, recognizing, oh, that's curious. I'm, I'm really wanting chocolate right now. What is it that I'm actually needing? You know, in those moments, I go, oh, well, actually, I'm finding this particular kind of exercise stressful. 
okay, so knowing that it's stressful, is this something I don't need to be doing? If it is something I need to be doing, is there a way I can go about it where I don't end up feeling like I need to go do X, Y, Z to feel better or that other more nurturing, gentle, kind ways in my body that I could be similarly providing some stress relief for myself that's not necessarily in the shape of a chocolate bar. Um, These are the ways that we can compassionately and curiously almost self-coach ourselves towards the solutions we need. Number three, this one might be more pertinent to myself than it is to others. I know some people are really unaffected by their cycles. Um, For me, again, I used to think working with cycles was challenging um, in terms of, I just found it was another thing to think about, which is really funny now when I look back. I remember just thinking, I'm too busy (laughs) to be wondering you know, what's going on in my cycle. But so it could start with something as simple as just simply tracking your cycle, just knowing when it's starting and when it's finishing It is one, one simple baby step towards, you know, understanding your cycle. Um, and then similarly, what I started to recognize, and I think I referenced this on other podcasts, is that I get very anxious and uh, quite low in the, a day or two prior to my cycle. I also get very tired when my cycle's actually here because I have endometriosis. <laughs> so um, I have problematic cycles, which, you know, again, I need to kind of work around and be aware of. Um, so for example, if I'm launching something new, if I'm going to be getting on sales calls, doing that around the time that my cycle is due on or is actually happening is not the best time to do it. Also, I think it's important to say, you know, you don't always need to be high vibe and positive. Um, Of course, I have still sold during those periods. So it's not to say, quite literally, um, so it's not to say that, um, you know, you should just not do things on those days. But what I have done is, you know, if there's accounting or any kind of more of the hermity type tasks in my business, I save them for that time of the month. And then similarly, when I'm feeling kind of most motivated and energetic, that's when I tend to schedule most of my content. So yeah, learning to work with your cycle, if you are somebody who has a cycle, has been really pivotal for me in terms of ensuring that um, I work in a way that feels really good for myself. And then finally, this was an interesting one, at least I think it's interesting, tuning in to sensory needs. This is a, well, I, I say this is interesting. For me, it was really fascinating because when my children um, kind of started on their kind of uh, autism pathways, that was when it was highlighted to me what it is to even have sensory needs and how sensory needs can be, well, how, 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 we, how we respond to things in a sensory way and what things can be done to help regulate us when we are feeling dysregulated. And alongside learning how to support my children, it made me think, why do adults do this so little? Because many of us, whether we're on the spectrum or not, can benefit from sensory things. I mean, that's why so many of us like massages. That's why so many of us will have something to eat if we're feeling a bit stressed because there's so many things we do without understanding. That's why we do them. And it also helped me recognize that one of the reasons why I was very tempted to have a strong drink as of a Friday evening was because I was feeling overstimulated, perhaps a bit overwhelmed. And so by having a drink, it would help me numb out a bit in the evening. Um, It just helped me kind of, it was the off button from working. It was making my brain actually feel a little bit fuzzy so that it was hard for me to continue thinking about work. Now that obviously isn't necessarily very healthy yet. So many of us do that. Um, And this is one of the reasons why I have played with sobriety and have various sober stints. I've never gone fully sober, 
but I like to be very intentional about how I drink. I like to be very self-aware, compassionate and curious about how I choose my drinking habits to be um, and predominantly essentially creates a work life and balance. It doesn't put me in a situation where I feel the need to do that. And part of that is understanding what helps me in a sensory way. So things like hot baths, showers, um, you know, brushing my hair, um, the scent, you know, grounding, going out into the, going for a walk and just getting my feet on the grass, stroking my cat. I mean, there's such, such simple things so readily available to us. Even the simple act of baking some banana bread, that delicious smell of, you know, the, the bananas cooking. And similarly, that sense of just getting our hands sticky and dirty when we're baking something or getting into the garden, you know, and being, you know, using your hands in the earth. Like we're so disconnected from these things these days and it does really impact you. So such a simple exercise is to integrate one of those things, whether it's gardening or cooking or being outdoors and truly noticing what's around you. Or simply, you know, for me, another thing I did was I started using silk, a silk pillowcase and um, having essential oils burning while I'm doing work and, you know, some incense as a kind of signifier towards the end of the day and burning candles in the winter, such simple things. But honestly, when I look at who I am today versus who I was a year ago or even two years ago, it's, it's, I'm like, it's like a, an entirely different person. And like I say, there was no rule book, no guru to follow, no specific, do this, get up at 5am. It was simply about just becoming more in tune with myself, my body, my feelings, and having that heightened level of self-awareness, self-compassion, self-love, self-care. And like I say, I'm kind of excited for the version of me that records probably another version of this in a year's time and how much deeper this journey has gone. Um, and if you are like me, very much someone who used to intellectualize your well-being, who had all the books, loved listening to all the podcasts, but was terrible at implementing it and had it as a one-day thing, I'm really hoping that by listening to today's podcast, it will encourage you and invite you to recognize that there are little things you could be doing now that will t make such a big difference to the bigger picture. So there we have it, my lovely. I hope that was helpful. Um, just to wrap things up. So essentially it boils down to no rules throughout the rule book. Do not worry about, you know, which book you bought and which strategy you should be following in terms of how to take care of yourself. Just love on yourself and listen to what you need. So no rules. Lead with compassion and curiosity. Work if you have a cycle, work with it. And start learning to tune in to your sensory needs. Write down a list of all the things that help you feel calmer and happier and put it up somewhere and, and lean into any of those things whenever you're having a moment where you need it. Maybe it's dancing and having a little shake it off before you get on the Zoom call. Whatever it is, no matter how small, no matter how silly, embrace it and see how different you feel in a month's time. It's all there. It's all available. It's free and it's all yours. So go on and knock yourself out. Next week, I'm talking about the hot topic of selling over summer. Yeah, there is a different way to sell in the summer. And I'm going to be breaking down the three mistakes to avoid and the two things you can be doing to ensure that you have got consistent inquiries coming in over the summer. I'm so looking forward to recording this juicy episode. See you all then. And if you found today's episode helpful, please do give it a share or you know, share it with a friend or give it a review, whatever it is you can to add some juicy, lovely support to this podcast so I can get it to as many ears as possible. Lots of love to you all. I'll be in your ears next week. 